Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, it is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV, and of course, you don't have to stream. You can just listen on your Super Talk Mississippi radio station, wherever you are in the Magnolia State. Thanks for being with us. A busy Wednesday afternoon coming up here in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. You can find them online at pearlriverresort.com or visit them in person, the sports book inside the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort, pearlriverresort.com. The ceasefire text line, as always, is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in ceasefire country. 601-879-4395. That's the number for you to be a part of the conversation with us before we go any farther and so i don't forget happy birthday to jane birthday girl today so you didn't forget i i didn't forget and i didn't forget um so yeah been a been a fun day for her uh did some breakfast stuff i i pulled out a cheesecake with candles for breakfast because everybody needs cheesecake for breakfast why, why not that's a good call that's yeah. a good call yeah, so uh, good day at the, the Cross House. Great to be with you. That was Brian Haydad's voice. You hear Michael Bortke as well. Uh, fellas, we have got a large night of basketball in uh, in front of us and significant games, important games for both Mississippi State on the road tonight and uh, Ole Miss at home. Mississippi State in Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators and uh, Ole Miss at home tonight against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hey, let's start just big-picture thoughts for Ole Miss, or excuse me, for Mississippi State. Um, State on the road in Florida. I mean, I'm willing to talk about the Rebels. I know. It was just a a slip of the tongue, and we certainly can do that, and we'll do that in uh, in just a minute. Uh, Bulldogs on the road. They're an underdog tonight, three-and-a-half-point underdog at Florida. The winner of this game is in pretty decent shape in the league standings and in terms of the postseason mississippi state going into the game with a 40 ranking in the net uh florida is at 46 and so an opportunity really for both of these teams a quad one opportunity tonight for mississippi state you know you look at it from mississippi state's perspective when we talk you know we say kind of that stock answer right it's tough to win on the road well it, it is 
But when you look at what you're doing this weekend at home with Auburn, this is a game Mississippi State really needs to win because it's going to be very tough to beat Auburn in the Humphrey Coliseum on, on Saturday. So Florida's a team that some of what they like to do gives Mississippi State troubles. They are really good, I say like to do, they're a really good offensive rebounding team. And Mississippi State has had trouble on the offensive boards uh, these past few games. They've been giving up offensive rebounds at a clip that I know Chris Jans cannot be satisfied with. Uh, they have some big physical guards, so those are you know those can match up well with what Mississippi State likes to do. Uh, State's going to have to play a really good game down there in Florida to walk away with a, a win. Florida was able to come to Starkville last year and get a win. This was a game where Tolu Smith, I don't know if you remember, he got benched in this game. Uh, did not play in much in the second half. Played really, really poorly, and State had to go to Will McNair uh, off the bench and still had a chance to win. Uh, missed a last-second shot. I think D.J. Jeffries missed it uh, at the buzzer. Maybe Tolu sort of takes that chip on his shoulder and says, "Look, I, did, I wasn't I wasn't there for this, the, this these guys last year. This year I'm going to be there." So it's going to need him to have a big game. You know, you look at the way he played last week. He he could have been SEC Player of the Week if if not for the the loss at Kentucky. Uh, but he I mean, he averaged 25 points a game last week. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight in Gainesville. But you're right, quad one opportunity for both teams, and the winner of this game gets a, a really nice uh, resume builder. Total number of points in the game just shy of 150, 149 and a half. So uh, really, uh, odds makers thinking that that this will be a higher scoring game, one that's in the the mid 70s. Certainly, that's a spot where Florida is uh, is comfortable playing. And this is in some ways, Borkia, a contrast in styles. If you watch this Florida team at all, if you follow Todd Golden's career at all, you know that Florida. They shoot a lot of threes. They love to get out in transition. They like to go to the rim if there's a a lane to the rim, but love to get those outside jump shots as well. Florida's averaging almost 85 points per game. They're giving up 76 a game. Mississippi State is averaging 75 a game. They're only giving up 76 a game. So it's it's one of those deals where you got a contrast in styles and a little bit of something's got to give. Yeah, transition defense going to be absolutely huge in this game. So that being laid out, that being said, uh, take the venue out of it. Advantage who? Florida style versus Mississippi State style with what each team has personnel-wise. Who does this favor? You know, that, that that's kind of an interesting question because I, I think about guard play, and I would – kind of lean in the direction of Florida's guards, but I only mean that on the offensive end. I think Florida's got guys that are maybe a little more comfortable scoring from the guard position, led by Walter Clayton. Zion Pullen's been pretty good. Tyree Samuel's a bigger forward as well. Riley Kugel is a guy that was... All right, hey, Dad, help me out. At one point committed to Mississippi State... Is that right? I believe he signed. I believe he signed and was and let out of his ben, letter of intent when okay. when, when Ben Hallen was uh, was let go. So when Ben Hallen was let go, one of the assistants on his staff joined um, Todd Golden at Florida. Right? Wasn't that the? I, I think that's. I think that was the connection on those two. Anyway, point being, Borky, to, to your question, well, I'm not trying to dodge the question. I I feel like. Florida's guards are better Corey offensively. McCray, yes, you're correct. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. So Corey McRae was the guy who had recruited Riley Kugel. He goes to Florida. Kugel uh, follows him there as well. Um, four players in Florida averaging double figures. Three of those are guards. But I feel like Mississippi State's guards are better defensively. A hmm. uh, little more physical, a little better on the defensive end, and the numbers kind of bear that out as well. I'm really fascinated, though, to watch how this game unfolds in the front court because Florida's got a, a bunch of guys. Tyree Samuel's a, a forward that's, that plays big, but he's not going to be playing the five. They've got uh, Micah Henlogden, who is a, a young player, and Thomas Haug's listed as a forward, but he's a big guy. And then Condon, uh, Alex Condon, is another one that's uh, another seven-footer. So there's size there, but I don't see the physical dominance down low from those Florida big men that I see from the combination of Tolu Smith and Jimmy Bell. Are you sensing a theme here? I like Florida from an offensive standpoint, but I like what Mississippi State does defensively, and they play a more physical style than Florida plays. You know what people call that? Good matchup? A hedge. You're hedging. Yeah, I guess a little. That's all right to hedge. Yeah, I I mean... But 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 sometimes that's what it is. Yeah, and and to me, I go back to where we started, right? It it contrasts to styles. Florida wants to play fast. Mississippi State a little more comfortable in a half-court game, though they certainly will push it. Mississippi State's guards. Now, Josh Hubbard's the guy that we haven't talked about. And Josh Hubbard could very well be the X-Factor. Uh, ooh, good cliche there. X-Factor. Yeah, Difference maker. Guy that uh, you point to. If he can get hot on the road, and that's a tough place to play uh, because their students are right on top of the floor, the Rowdy Reptiles. You know, we'll see what kind of a crowd they've got. It's a 730 Central tip, so it's an 830, a little bit later start, local time there in Gainesville. Um. Hey, do you have a gut, a gut feeling on this game? Big one. Thank oh, you. A gut feeling. Oh. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, like I said, it's tough to win on the road. Um, I thought State played okay against Vanderbilt. They didn't play in such a dominating fashion that makes me think they're just going to go down there and, and win. But this is a, I think this is a bigger game for State than it is for, uh, for Florida in terms of State's got three of their next four on the road. Yeah, yeah they, they've got to find a way to win at least one of those games. This feels like a pretty decent opportunity to get one. So I'm, I would lean state, but it's, it would be very, very close, and a Florida win won't surprise me in the, in the slightest. You know how you can stop a team, by the way, that likes to get out and run? Make shots. Make shots. Bingo. Bingo. And that's the thing that concerns me a little bit about Mississippi State, consistency making shots. If they have a night where they're hot shooting the basketball, they are a really, really dangerous basketball team. Uh, Until this past Saturday, Florida had not won on the road in conference play. They did get a win at Missouri. Prior to that, close loss at home to Kentucky, blown out at Ole Miss. They win big at home against Arkansas, and then blown out on the road against Tennessee. Better team at home than on the road. And real quick, if you wanted me to pick an X factor, it's got to be Deshaun Davis. He's got to start playing better for Mississippi State. These last three or four games, he has been a non-factor for them. Uh, he's got to be, if he's going to be in the starting lineup, he's got to deliver some quality minutes. 
Mississippi State had a close loss on the road at South Carolina to start league play. They beat Tennessee at home, lost to Alabama at home, lost at Kentucky, and then they went at home this past Saturday against Vanderbilt. So Mississippi State in Florida coming up 7.30 Central time tonight. Ole Miss hosting Arkansas. Matt Zimmerman, who's the color analyst on the Arkansas radio network, will join us on the other side of this timeout on the Farm Bureau guest line. Just getting started. Busy afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Glad to be with you. One of my favorite people in college basketball joins us right now, and I mean that genuinely. Matt Zimmerman, who's the color analyst on the Razorback Sports Network. Uh, you hear him on the radio uh, if, if you're listening to Razorback games. Uh, he's got basketball head coaching and assistant coaching experience, been around the game for a long time, and uh, all-around good dude. He is Arkansas through and through. Zimmer, what's up, my man? Hey, what's going on, Richard? Man, I'm enjoying a little Oxford, Mississippi today, and uh, usually the weather's great when we come down here, but not quite as good today, but we'll take it. It's pretty warm, and I'm not sure I've ever been in Oxford where I see little small piles of snow piled up, so I'm glad you guys got a little white stuff down here. You know what? You're better being here this week than you were a week ago this time because this place was like an ice factory. I mean, people couldn't move. It was wow. like it was crazy. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the warmer temperatures and the rain were nice to kind of get rid of that stuff and get people moving around a yeah. little bit. I had a blast. I was driving to Nashville last Tuesday night. I had the, the Vanderbilt-Auburn game last Wednesday, and so I was listening to uh, to you, and, and, and I love the way you're involved in the game, uh, Matt. You, you, you love the Razorbacks, and there's no mistaking that, but you call it like you see it, and I'm not – you know what? I think you, Matt, would be really, really good friends with Brian Haydad, who's, who's my co-host, one of our co-hosts on the, on the show. Uh, yeah. He does not have a love affair with the officials, and I don't think you do either. <laughs> I don't think you no. love the guys in stripes yeah. all that much. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll have to talk to Brian then. We'll have some good. We they have a tough job, and I respect officials. And you know, when I coached, I didn't get technicals. Even when I was a high school coach, I didn't. And as a college assistant for a long time, you sure didn't do it. You know, but uh, officials have tough jobs, especially. Middle school, junior high, high school officials, they don't make much money. Can't thankless job. But at this level now, you know, they're making a lot of money. A lot of money now. A lot of money. And so, you know, and the coaches can't say their name. The, the players can't ever say anything about them. And they're, like, super protected from any criticism that can help them. So, you know, hey, on the Razorback Sports Network, you know, we might, we might get on them a little bit. But we do have a lot of respect for them. They have a thankless job. But they make a lot of money, Richard. At this level, SEC officials are highly paid. So, hey, that's part of it, you know. And they are going to make some mistakes. We know that. No, no official's perfect. You can't be. 
No, it certainly is a, uh, a difficult job, and, and it's a difficult job to win in college basketball. And uh, the teams that yeah. do it consistently year after year after year, I think we're all impressed with. I just got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm surprised with the way this season has gone for Arkansas. When you watch the offseason, the transfer mm-hmm. portal, the guys that came in, what was returning from a year ago, uh, I mean, I know in a lot of ways it's a new team, but I feel like um, – Eric Musselman has absolutely raised the expectations at Arkansas, maybe to where they haven't yeah. been for, for a long time. And this yeah. team has underachieved. Why is that? Difficult team. It's been, it's been a complex team to me. You know, Coach Musselman's been his fifth year, and he's doing everything he can. The staff, are, you know, it's been very uh, hard to figure it out because we would lose to UNC Greensboro at home. We very seldom have lost at home throughout really since the life of Bud Walton Arena, and even before that, Bar Hill Arena. You know, we'd always win 90% of our games there, but lose at home to Greensboro, and then, you know, 10 days later, you're, you're beating Duke at home, blowing them out, actually. And yeah. so we have had a, some good games. We have played well at times. Um, I did not see us starting one and five in the league. I thought after six games, if we didn't play well, or, if you know, if it was a battle, maybe we would be at three and three. I was hoping for four and two, and of course you always hope to be six and zero. Oh, but it's been a little bit of a, it's just been a challenge. And uh, you're sitting here, and we basically had a last second field goal by Tremont Mark to beat Texas A&M, or we'd be zero and six. Yeah. And the league has gotten better, Richard, as you know. Um, the league, and I, I brag on the SEC. You do. It's an incredibly tough league when you're coaching in it. But now that I'm, I'm just doing what I do now, I look at it. You know, this league hadn't had a national champion in, in a decade. Uh, Kentucky got beaten the national championship game in 2014. Auburn went to the last Final Four. That was five years ago. So although the league has been tough, last year was tough, year before that was tough, it hadn't been nationally a big-time huge factor when you look at it compared to college football and college baseball and track and field and these other sports where the SEC is winning national championship after national championship. So the league is. But this year, the league is, is, to me, is legit better. And, like, for instance, last year, and we got some guys back. We also have a lot of new guys. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we blew out Georgia. We blew out Florida. Um, and we had no problems with those teams the last two years, really. And then you come to this year, we go to Florida and Georgia, and they both smack us. You know, and it's just kind of a South Carolina. We have just wore them out. They came to our place and beat our butt the other day by 13 points. And so it's kind of an interesting time, Richard. A lot of these teams flipping. And for the Razorbacks, a lot of it's been defense. We have not played the defense that, that we have to to win in this conference. Too many times we've been beat off the dribble. We're a shot-blocking team. We're top five in the country in blocking mm-hmm. shots, which is a good thing. But too many people have beaten us off the dribble, attacked, and either got in there and scored on us or, 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 or have earned some free throws. And uh, we've shot it okay at times. There's been games we've shot 60%. But we've had too many games in the SEC where we're shooting 32, 33, 34, 38%. And when you're not playing good defense and you're shooting in the 30s, it's very difficult to win ball games. This matchup tonight, Matt, is, is an interesting one. You, you talked about it being yeah. important for Arkansas because they've only got the one league win. Ole Miss sitting there with two league wins. And you got to protect the home yeah. floor if you're going to be an NCAA tournament team. And, and obviously the job that Chris Beard is doing in his first year has been good. In terms of style, though, I feel like there's a lot of similarity. Ole Miss has shot it better, I think, overall than Arkansas has, but they haven't yeah, been great defensively. Have. 
They are a good shot-blocking team, but but to your point just a second ago, they get beat off the dribble. This is a fascinating Mm -hmm. matchup to me tonight. It really is, and I do feel like the Razorbacks are much long overdue to have a game where we shoot the cover off of it or shoot it at a higher percentage and play better. Well, I hope that uh, happens on Saturday for you. Huh? I hope that happens for you on Saturday. Yeah, right. That's right. (laughs) It's like when when you're playing somebody and they get hurt for a second, you know, and – you know, you're always like, I hope he's okay tomorrow. Yeah, you know, exactly. I hope that young man's okay tomorrow. But, uh, you know, it's really going to be an interesting game because Ole Miss coming off with two losses and, you know, had a great win. I watched all that Florida game. I had it DVR. They were so good. Scored 103 points on Florida and looked so good. But I was a little surprised at the LSU game, and mm-hmm. LSU scored 89 on them. And – we haven't played LSU yet, so I, you know, but I was I was shocked at that one. And Auburn is really good. I think Auburn's got a chance to win the league. I think Auburn probably lose a close game tonight in Tuscaloosa, but uh, it'll be a heck of a game with Alabama or uh, uh, yeah, tonight with Alabama yeah. and Auburn. But uh, it's a, it is going to be an interesting game tonight. Chris Beard, Eric Musselman, two teams that really need a win. Um, there's pressure on us because we were. We had dreams of Final Fours and competing for an SEC title, and that's not happened for us. And at the same time, there's pressure on Ole Miss because they're the home team. And, uh, you know, we, we go home after this and play Saturday at home. The, when you're struggling, the home games, the, the emphasis is even more. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, absolutely. you know, when you're struggling, man, we got to go on the road. We have got to win this game at home. Got to win this home game. So I think there's pressure on Ole Miss. And I think because of the great expectations that that Arkansas had going into the season, there, there's there's pressure. And so it's going to be – I think it's going to be an intense game at 8 o'clock tonight. Zimmer, last thing for you. you got two minutes left. Um, okay. The, the rivalry between Arkansas and Ole Miss I, I think is underrated. You, you grew up in the state yep. of Arkansas. Obviously we're talking about border states. It's not one of those where you play for trophies. But when you think about some of the results in football over the last couple of decades, yeah. the the battles they've had on the diamond in baseball, and really going yeah. back to when Rob Evans was at Ole Miss, and, and Ole Miss was kind of getting some kids out of Arkansas yeah. and got the basketball program, I feel like the basketball has had some great games. Your too. athletic director. Your athletic director, one of them. <laughs> well, you know, if not for Pat Bradley, the story might be completely different. Keith Carter might have gone right. to Arkansas, and who knows? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know what, Richard? It is a really good rivalry, an underrated rivalry. I was when I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm Ole Miss playing Ole Miss in football. We've kind of been splitting throughout time a lot. And eventually, we're still playing them next year. But yeah. you know, eventually, we're not going to be playing every year. That's just the way of this new schedule and these huge conferences where you've got all these teams. And and so it's uh, it's going to be different. And of course, it's turned into a great baseball rivalry. And in basketball, it, it, at times it's been heated. I can think back to my days on staff at Arkansas where, hey, you learned about yourself at the tad pad. You learned when you were walking off that floor and you had to go through that little exit and both teams were going out <laughs> that exit at halftime or at the end of games. If you had a, if Ole Miss was, uh, was bullying you around, your guys just kind of slumped through that door. But when you had guys that, you know, sometimes you'd have few punches thrown back in there trying to get through that door. You know, that's when you could judge the toughness of your team was coming to Ole Miss and playing those old tough teams. So uh, it is a good rivalry, very underrated rivalry, Arkansas and Ole Miss for sure. Matt, really appreciate your time. Safe travels when you head back to uh, you. back to Fayetteville after this one. Good catching up and hope to see you yeah. soon. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. Take care.
Matt Zimmerman joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ole Miss in Arkansas coming up 8 o'clock tonight from the SJ Pav- uh, SJB Pavilion. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Appreciate Matt Zimmerman joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. First of three guests today, Kendall Rogers will join us to start things off in the 4 o'clock hour. That's right, Kendall Rogers. First appearance for him of 2024 joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line to talk a little college baseball as we are, what, three and a half weeks away from uh, opening day? Man, that's going to get here in a hurry. In a hurry. And then to start the uh, 5 o'clock hour, former Ole Miss transfer linebacker Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste will join us. We'll talk with him about the season that was, about transferring in from UCF to Lane Kiffin, what that is like. Uh, I don't know that we've really talked about a player who has, or, or, or talked with a player, who has gone through the transfer portal po- process and then has had to kind of assimilate and adapt to uh, a new team. So it'll be interesting to hear from him on what that process was like and also what he's doing as he gets ready for combine, draft, uh, and possibly the opportunity to uh, continue his career at the uh, professional ranks. That's coming up. That'll be your college football fix to start the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, Dad, you and Zimmer could be buddies. I'm telling you. (laughs) I mean... He sounds like my kind of guy. When I was listening to their game against Texas A&M driving last last Tuesday night, not only would he talk about the official, he he talked about him by name. Oh, Don Daly. That was Don Daly that made that call. I I, I actually think he got that one right, Chuck. Razorbacks caught a little bit of a break right there. Old Don Daly. Can't always expect that from him, but we got it from him this time. It was great. Just fantastic. Um good dude though arkansas through and through and uh uh i think what we were talking about that this tonight is a really big basketball game you heard you heard what everyone was saying about you know for old miss with it being a home game Whew. so so big for this old miss team because if the rebels win tonight they kind of hold serve for sure they will have lost their three road games in the SEC, and if they win tonight, that means they will have won their three home games in the SEC. At some point, you got to break serve on the road, right? You got to you got to try and get one of those road wins to kind of get you ahead of the game uh, for two reasons. One, you're probably going to need a road win or two. It's going to help you in the net, and you're going to need that win when when you get to selection time. But you're also you know, odds are you're going to drop a home game, maybe a couple of them somewhere along the way. And the the stretch for Ole Miss, the next four games for Ole Miss, three or four, starting tonight at home, the, the inverse of what we were talking about with Mississippi State, Arkansas tonight, 
Got to go to A&M on Saturday. That's a night game in College Station. Get Mississippi State at home next Tuesday night. And then they get Auburn at home the following Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough stretch. Got to win this one. The other thing to... Yeah, the other thing to consider is this is a quad three game for Ole Miss. Mm. This is this is an opportunity for Ole Miss where if they lose it, it, it doesn't look. I mean, it's hard to believe that a loss to Arkansas could be a black mark on your resume. Mm-hmm. But where their record is right now, that's what that would be. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you just take the names off of it, and I say Ole Miss is playing a quad three game at home, you got to expect to win that game. But when you when I say it's Arkansas, that's when the doubt would creep in. So, yeah, and you've got to play if you lose tonight. I mean, you've got to play your remaining 12 conference games at, what, 8-4? and four? And so, I mean, putting yourself in the 2-4 and four hole, I mean, it won't end your shot at the tournament, but it certainly would make that path a, uh, a treacherous one. Uh, I mean, one that's not clear and very bumpy that your car can't go down. So, uh, I mean, and it's a desperate Arkansas team, too. Their, their backs are against the wall. You've got to win this game tonight. And, I mean, luckily they're, they've played much, much better at home than they have on the road. But um, desperate Arkansas team coming in. Yeah. Students are fully back. I, I will, will be interested to see what the overall crowd is like because it is an 8 o'clock tip. We saw that a couple of weeks ago with the um, – with the home game against Florida, uh, I guess it was. That was an 8 o'clock local mm-hmm. start. Crowd was okay for, for that game in terms of, like, actual bodies in the building. I don't know, maybe 6,000-ish. Needs um, to be a good one tonight. They, they, they've earned the uh, they They've earned that. And, uh, I mean, you think that the crowd didn't have an impact last night when Kentucky went to Columbia? Buddy, I got news for you. The, the the crowd there was worth points on the floor last night, yeah, 100%. So you got to do the same thing for your team. I'm curious to see, too, if they uh, they make some adjustments offensively because, I, I mean, you're not winning many games if Matt Morell and, and they call him Juju, but Jalen Murray takes six shots. I mean, you don't get them to force the ball up, but I would like to see them create opportunities for those guys to get more shots create sets for them get them shooting get morell you know going downhill at the basket that you've got to do those things you can't conduct offense the way they did at auburn and expect to win many more games got to look differently than it did last time out this feels like a night where if Ole miss is going to have success they're going to have to kind of lean on their veterans morell's going to have to have a big night jamin breakfield going to have to play a big role. And and for Jamin Brakefield, it was a really tough start to the year. He got hot for a few games, cooled off a little bit, then kind of settled in. But the last couple of games, his numbers have been down a little bit. And and so I think those are two guys. You mentioned Jalen Murray. Obviously, uh, that's a guy that, that matters a lot within the flow of the offense. I think it's going to be guard play, though, where, uh, where Ole Miss is going to have to knock out some shots and they're going to have to make some things happen from the perimeter. And if they do that then they'll have a really good chance to win. I also wonder if you have an Arkansas team that's teetering. And I, I don't want to use the Q word because I, I think that is um, – it better be very, very evident that a team has shut it down if you're going to say they quit. And it's way too early in the season. Um, but 
it does feel like an Arkansas team that's teetering a little bit, that has had some chemistry issues, whether that's off the floor or not, I don't know. We're not close enough to the Arkansas program to know that. But it looks to me like they've had some chemistry issues on the floor. And so could could that uh, could that rear its ugly head for Arkansas tonight if Ole Miss is able to jump out to an early lead or if they make a, a run midway through the first half? Or it's tight at halftime, but Ole Miss kind of sprints out of the locker room and, and gets it going a little bit in the second half. Could it turn into a game like that? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That game that Borky referenced a second ago, not just a win but a beatdown last night in, in – Colonial Life Arena. 79-62 South Carolina over Kentucky. South Carolina now 4-2 and two in SEC play. They're playing good basketball. Uh, $100,000 for a little court storm after the game last night. Michael Borky thinks that's un-American. But looked incredible. It, it looked really, really good. So, Kentucky... Prior to that loss last night, had scored 90 or more in four straight SEC games. And in five straight games, they had scored 87 or more. They scored 87 in a win on the road against Florida, 90 against Mizzou, 97 at A&M. That was in a loss. 90 in the win against Mississippi State, 105 against Georgia on Saturday. They only scored 62 points in that game. South Carolina was good on the defensive end. Kentucky could not get shots to fall. Um, Talon Cooper, that's a name that, I mean, unless unless you're really, really following basketball, you're like, who? Talon Cooper is a transfer point guard at South Carolina. He was at Minnesota last year. He was seventh in the country in assists per game last season at Minnesota. It was a really important pickup for Lamont Paris in South Carolina this past offseason. And he had 20 points and six rebounds and five assists last night. That's um, that's pretty good stuff. It's a good day at the office there. Yeah, that's a good win. That's a great win for the Gamecocks. I mean, a team that, like, they started off really good in non-conference, started off conference play as kind of meh, got the win over Mississippi State, but... Yeah, then they beat Arkansas, and you're like, okay, I don't know what this team is. That's a statement kind of win. I don't know that they're going to compete for the conference championship anyway or anything like that, but that's the kind of win that says we're going to be in the field of 64 when we get to get into March. I agree. And uh, Lamont Paris has done a – he's been big on the whole chip on your shoulder. You were picked last in the league. You're still not in the top 25 despite, you know, starting the season 14-1. and one. No respect, no respect, no – they're going to start getting a little respect – and uh, we'll see if he's able to still play that chip-on-the-shoulder card with his team and kind of get them to continue to play with that edge. It's a South Carolina team that's now 16-3 and overall, and uh, again, 4-2 and in the SEC. And let's see, what, what have they got coming up? South Carolina, uh, they get Missouri at home for a second time this year. They've already beaten Missouri on the road. So they get them at home before a little more difficult stretch with Tennessee and Georgia on the road in back-to-back ball games. Sports Talk Mississippi, back with you. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour, or the 3 o'clock hour, when we come back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. 
us for a moment or two. I was having a conversation last night with uh, somebody very tied to SEC basketball. And it was as the South Carolina game was nearing its conclusion, and they were very much in control uh, against Kentucky. It was clear that they were going to win the game. And and this person said that, uh, man, that's really, really good for the SEC. You know, in recent years, you know, Kentucky won a bunch of games. People thought Kentucky was good, but they didn't necessarily really buy into the rest of the SEC, kind of like from a national perspective. So we're talking perception of the SEC. But people believe that this Kentucky team is really, really good, like at least second, if not third week into the NCAA tournament good, with a chance to win a national championship. And that a good Kentucky team losing four or five games, three or four games in conference play is actually a really good reflection on the rest of the SEC because people are like, man, that Kentucky team's good, but they lost four games in the league. That conference must be good. Do you buy into that idea? Yeah, and it's not something you can say about football, right, because the losses are so precious there. You can't say Georgia loses two games, oh, the SEC is really good. You need Georgia kind of undefeated. But in basketball, yeah, if you have a team that everybody thinks is pretty good and they take a few losses – then, yeah, it, it, it definitely looks good on the rest of the conference to be one of the teams that, that's beaten those teams. That's why, you know, Mississippi State beating Tennessee, South Carolina beating uh, uh, Kentucky, you know, Auburn will drop a game eventually. Uh, they might drop one tonight to Alabama. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that statement. Odds makers think they might drop one tonight at, at Alabama. Bama's a three-and-a-half-point yeah. home favorite. Against uh, is that the, an Auburn uh, team, are we uh, are we smelling something there? What's going on? Maybe, maybe uh-huh. it is time for like yeah, we, not we right do this need second. to smell something. Yeah, not not something, right something this second. Needs to be smelled. But uh, we'll we'll get to the PTG outdoors fishy line of the week coming up in the uh, the next hour of the show, and I I think you might be onto something there now. Flip side of that is we look at it on the surface and we're like, eh, that really makes sense. But we also spent a lot of this first hour talking about how hard it is to win on the road. We talked yesterday about the fact that Alabama's probably the best six-loss team in the country, and they've only got one loss in SEC play, and that was on the road against the Tennessee team that a lot of people think can make a run at a national championship. Auburn is good, and they've been playing really, really, really well. What do you think about Coleman Coliseum? Like, Alabama fans have wanted a new building for a long time, and they need it. Did they start building the new one and then stop, or did they never start? No, they never started. Okay. It's a barn. Now that the Tad Pad is, is no more, it is easily the worst basketball arena in the SEC, in my opinion. But it's big. And when it they is have, big. And when they have 14,000, 15,000 in there, which is what they're going to have tonight for that game against Auburn, and they get rolling, it can be a tough spot for opponents. I, I will 6.30 ESPN tonight for, uh, for that ball game. I think that one can be fun. Maybe really fun even. 
LSU's at Georgia tonight. That one tips off uh, in a couple of hours, five hour and a half from now, 5.30. Auburn, Alabama's at 6.30 on ESPN. Mississippi State, Florida, 7.30 on the SEC Network. Arkansas Ole Miss tonight on ESPNU with an 8 o'clock tip-off for that ball game. Late night, I'm going to need some more coffee or something. I'd, I have been really dragging at about 8.30 every night, and I don't know why. I exercise every day. I eat well. I've just been tired lately. I need, I need a little boost if I'm going to get to the end of these. Perhaps you should sleep more. I try. Mm. A thunderstorm woke us up at 5.30 this morning, so that was fun. What about an espresso martini? It did, it, an about espresso a, martini? Just a four loco. What was that? What was that, AJ? Well, it's about just like a four loco. Four loco. Back in the day, that that's what um, my dad. I mean, statute of limitations. That that's what we were able to get in high school. There was this one gas station that like didn't check IDs, and they they wouldn't sell us beer, but they'd sell us four locos. And so you'd go to a high school party, and you would have one can of Four loco, and it's like you were drinking 12 beers and 12 cups of coffee in one gigantic can. I don't know how. I really have no idea how we survived. If you the, the old Four Locos, they they had to like they I got don't know sued. What a four loco is. It, it's like an energy drink with alcohol, but but they got sued. It's or something. an alcoholic energy drink. They, they had to change their like formula. If, like, like if a Red Bull and vodka came in a can. But the can is this big, and it's like five Red Bulls and five vodkas. It's like a two-by-four. Yeah. 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 I mean, you were seriously drinking like uh, an F-16 missile. Why did you you (laughs) raise your eyes and turn your head sideways when I suggested an espresso martini? Uh, I would just, if I'm going to be drinking, I'd prefer a bourbon. I thought you needed the caffeine shot. That's why I suggested it. (laughs) Kittle Rogers coming up next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We start things off on the Farm Bureau guest line this hour. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. First time in 2024. We're about three and a half weeks away to the start of the college baseball season. Our friend from D1Baseball.com, Kendall Rogers. Hello, Kendall. How's it going, guys? Uh, I tell you what, my, my prediction is things will at least be better for Ole Miss and Mississippi State in twenty twenty four. All right, good talk to you. We'll uh, we'll catch you here in a couple of weeks. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh goodness, uh, I got to be honest. It was a little shocking to uh, see the preseason top twenty five come out, and not only not see Ole Miss or Mississippi State, but also. No Southern Miss, and uh, given the success that these three programs have had over the last decade, decade and a half, couple of decades, whatever measure you want to use, it's a little jarring to not see any of the three teams in the top 25 going into the year. Yeah, you know, Southern Miss was a club that I thought was really close. I think there's a lot of pieces of that team that we really like. I think ultimately when you look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it's it's not that we don't believe in them. It's that they kind of have to show it. And I think if you look at both of those teams, 
I think Ole Miss did a really nice job in the transfer portal. You know, during the during the off season, they might not have gotten the you know the Brady Montgomerys or the Luke Holmans, but they did a really nice job accumulating players out of the portal. Uh, I like a lot of their pieces. I think Mississippi State for me, uh, Richard. I think it's going to knock the cover off the ball. The question for me is, can you know, can the pitching staff? take a big step forward uh, and if they can under new pitching coach Justin Parker. I have no doubt the team can be better. Here's a problem that both teams could have, and that's that both teams could be infinitely better, and in terms of their standing in the conference, it might not mean a whole lot just because I think the SEC is going to be really, really good. Yeah, but is that a what else is new thing, or do you think it's a different level of good than we've seen in recent seasons? I think it's a different level because, I mean, I think if you look at this league overall, like, like who's the bad team in the SEC right now? Kentucky under Nate Mingione has kind of found its stride. Uh, you know, they're going to be good again. They've got Devin Burks and some, some really nice older pieces back. Uh, Georgia, you know, on, on paper they could struggle. But, again, I mean, Wes Johnson did a really nice job in the portal. You know, Missouri with Carrick Jackson, you know, Carrick is one of those guys who's a really hard-nosed uh, coach. Um, they're going to probably play over their skis a little bit. So, I mean, the problem you're going to do in this league is, like, at this point, who is bad? And, and, and frankly, there were times last year when Ole Miss and Mississippi State were not bad. It's just they had a lot – you know, the State in particular had a lot of really bad luck. And so uh, I, I just think this league as a whole is, is better than it ever has been. I feel like we say that every year. But it, it once again is the, the case this year. And crazy enough, we get Oklahoma and Texas in a year, so it's not going to get any easier. No, it certainly is not. Uh, are we trending? Could, could we get to a point, and you've seen it happen in softball, I guess 13 softball-playing programs in the SEC, and I think that's the only sport where it's happened, where every single team in the conference makes the postseason. Is, is, the, is there a possibility that that could happen? Uh, I think there's a possibility. I don't know if it will happen because I do think baseball is a sport is a little is well. I don't say it's a little. I think it's a lot deeper than softball in terms of the number of teams that are postseason caliber. So I don't know if that'll happen because you do have leagues like the Sun Belt, like the Big Twelve, who with realignment I think have continued to get better and better. Uh, but there's no doubt. Or will there be a time when all of them are deserving of being in? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think you can look at the, the SEC this year and go, you know what, I could conceivably see every single one of those teams getting in because, again, if you look at the SEC West on paper in baseball this year, there is not a team on that list that I look at and go, you know what, I don't think, I, you know, I don't think they're, they're postseason caliber when it comes to the talent standpoint. They're all postseason caliber, and they all can make a run to Omaha. New head coach in, uh, in Hattiesburg, uh, Christian Ostrander, takes over that job. Great reputation, has done a phenomenal job with the pitching staff over the last several years. That is a program, Kindle, that continuity might should be the, the biggest descriptive word you use. He's only the fifth head coach in the history of the program. The four previous head coaches have all had success. They've all been there for a really, really long time. Tell me what you think about this Southern Miss team going into 2024. Well, I think the biggest thing with, with Southern Miss is, you know, I always feel pretty good about Southern Miss now from a pitching standpoint with, with Osley in the way. But, you know, it's kind of funny I say that because I remember back in the day where you looked at Southern Miss and you're like, boy, they can, I mean, they can really mash. But, you know, I just don't know if they have enough on the mound. I think they'll be fine on the mound. I think they'll be, you know, 
pretty solid offensively. And so I think the biggest thing is just, you know, how does he make the transition to being a head coach? I think he was a – obviously he was a no-brainer hire. Uh, but I think he's a very, very good coach. And I don't think Southern Miss is going to skip a beat. You know, when, when Corky handed the program over to Scott, um, they didn't really skip a beat. If anything, you could argue they got a little bit better some of those years. And, you know, I think he turned that program over to Oz. And I think it's just wash, rinse, repeat. I think they're going to continue being a really good program. And I, and I do think the Sun Belt being as good of a league is really going to help them. Uh, it's going to be a highly competitive league each, each season. And uh, I, I, I think the world of that program, I think what they've done – you know, on the field, what they've done with, with their, their fan base. It's an ultra, ultra attractive program. So it's no surprise to me that they've continued to accumulate enough talent to be, you know, in, in that regional slash ship regional discussion every single year. Kendall, I think you had Ole Miss ranked with the, uh, if I remember correctly, the number seven transfer portal class. Can, yeah. can, can the Rebels make a bounce back from – where they were a couple of seasons ago. I know two years ago it was carrying a trophy off the field in Omaha. But to be a postseason team, based on the guys that they have coming in, knowing that Hunter Elliott on the mound this year, is it's just unlikely. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, kind of just starting with, with guys that are actually back, I think the biggest key is guys like Sonia and, and Rivas to, to really take a big step forward. And I think, you know, from a transfer standpoint, I, I really like what they brought in. I mean, Jackson Ross. You know, Nolan Shanuel got a lot of the fanfare last year at Ford Atlantic. But, I mean, if you go back and look at what Jackson Ross did offensively, FAU last year with John McCormick does a great job with his offenses down there. Uh, Jackson Ross had an incredible year. So, you know, how does he make the transition to the SEC? That's a question mark, but he's an ultra, ultra talented player. Um, I, I had him much higher on kind of my prospect list, and a lot of people probably did. I think he's a, a sensational player, Andrew Fisher. Certainly a really sought-after uh, player in the portal during the offseason. They were able to get him. He's obviously very talented. And then Tracy Hughes, uh, you know, is, is a kid, you know, out of Mercer who, you know, has big-time power, really athletic guy. And, again, you know, how does he make that transition to the SEC? And then you throw, uh, you know, some of those other guys in there. And, and yeah, I, I think that trio right there for me, if they click and if they make that, that make that quick transition, which is what Ole Miss is kind of counting on and expecting, uh, I think that could be a really, really good offensive lineup. And again, and if the offensive lineup is really good, then guess what? That takes a little bit of pressure off the Sonyes, Rivas's, the JT Quinns, and guys like that. I don't mean to put pressure on a, an individual kid. I, I know him. He's a great kid, but. You, you think about the history of catcher at Ole Miss with Mike Bianco and Carl Lafferty on that staff. They've had guys that are very, very good defensively and a bunch of guys that can hit. Campbell Smithwick, um, who is the, the true freshman out of Oxford High School, decided not to go the draft route, wanted to go to college. What can be reasonably expected from a true freshman playing that position in the SEC? Yeah, man, the big thing for him is, you know, he showed a, a pretty consistent offensive approach in the fall. Uh, you know, he's, you know, from what I understand, he's not like a sensational defender, but he's a pretty solid defender. So I think if you're Ole Miss and if he can give you solid defense, let's say he can hit 270 for you, give you some power production, uh, I think out of a freshman catcher back in the SEC, I think you'll absolutely take that. So I think the biggest thing for Ole Miss is you're right. You don't want to ever throw a lot of pressure on a young guy like that. But, you know, again, I think if he can do that offensively and then play pretty solid defense, I think he'll take it. Because I don't think, 
the, I don't think Ole Miss is going to be an offense that you look at and go, hey, you know, you know, Campbell Smithwick has to hit. 320 for this offense to be good. I don't think he's going to have to get anywhere near that for the offense to be ultra productive. All right, last thing. Uh, let's go back to Mississippi State for uh, for a second. Yeah, you talked about an offensive explosion that you think is coming. Who leads the way uh, in, in your mind for that? Is it um, – well, I'll, I'll ask you. Who, who is leading that offense? Yeah, that's a really good question. I just think when you look at that offense as a whole, I mean, obviously you look at, you know, Hunter Hines just a the big time power guy. I mean, you look at you know guys from last year that I actually thought you know at times looked pretty good. Uh, you know, you look at Amani Larry, you know David Marshawn, uh, you know Dakota Jordan. Obviously, you know we talk about the portal losses or the the portal misses that Mississippi State had. I mean, look at J- Dakota Jordan last year. I mean, if he goes if he stays in the portal and goes out and let's say goes to Georgia is what was rumored. Uh, you know, that would have been a big hit for them. So keeping him was huge. He's obviously an ultra-talented player. We saw, you know, uh, we, we saw kind of elements of what he can kind of bring to the table last yeah. year. I think those guys will be solid offensively. I think, for me, when you look at the pitching staff, I was just talking to somebody close to the program yesterday, and it sounds like Nate Dome has really stood out here early on, you know, in, in individuals. It sounds like he's a guy that, you know, has kind of been sitting 94, 97, throwing multiple pitches for strikes. If he can stay healthy, you know, Colby Holcomb, uh, you know, Richard, he was a guy um, that, you know, last year I would watch Colby Holcomb for four innings and go, wait. Take the friggin' wax out of your head. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, you didn't miss anything there at the uh, end, or at least not much. Uh, but Kendall, uh, high-ish on Mississippi State going into this season. I think his um, his outlook is perhaps a little rosier than that of, uh, of Ryan Haydad's. A little? Just a little. Just a little. Ah, I'm probably I'm probably tainted by my own biases on that one. Well, that's that's okay. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. We alluded to it earlier. Let's do it right now. It's time for the PTG Outdoors Fishy Line of the Week. PTG Outdoors is located in Grenada with a new location coming to Tuscaloosa very soon. Uh, got those Camus boats. They are a Mercury authorized uh, engine dealer. Got the Garmin um, fish finding apparatus and GPS systems that can go on your boat. They can install those for you. They'll make sure that they are working right. They've got a great small engine shop where they can uh, help you with any of the engines you need, whether it's a side by side or a four wheeler or a UTV or uh, you got issues with the boat. Their their maintenance. Outfit their maintenance setup is uh, is second to none. Um, Grenada close to the lake or uh, now in Tuscaloosa as well. PTG Outdoors online at ptgoutdoors.com. So we were talking earlier about that Alabama Auburn game. 
Does this qualify as a fishy line? Alabama favored by three and a half, despite Auburn coming in sixteen and two overall, five and zero in the SEC. Winners of uh, is it eleven straight games? I think it's eleven straight wins overall for Auburn. Winning all of these games by double digit points. They've been a machine so far, and yet they are an underdog tonight. Are you ready to latch onto that as your fishy line? No. I, I get where they're coming from. I, I think Auburn wins the game, but I, I, I get where they're coming from at least on it. Okay. Uh, the, you know, Auburn this year, 0-2 in quad one games. Alabama's 2-4. and four. Um, That's one thing. I, if, if you were going to nitpick Auburn, you would say their conference, the start of their conference schedule has not been incredibly difficult. So I, I, I get where they're coming from. That's not mine for sure. Okay. Mine is, uh, I'm going to go to the Big Ten for mine. Uh, tonight, uh, big rivalry game, obviously, as we all know. Illinois uh, at Northwestern. Illinois, number 10 team in the country. Only a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Northwestern. Northwestern's been really inconsistent this year. They have some good wins. They have some head-scratching losses. But I think Illinois is just a, a much better team than them. Only two-and-a-half points. I know it's on the road, but I think Illinois wins that game pretty comfortably. So I, I, that, that would be the one that, that stands out to me as a fishy line. Bork, it's really hard when you get to this point of the NFL season for the lines not to make sense. And I don't know that either of the conference championship games line uh, lines qualify as fishy. Baltimore, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. 49ers, a seven-point favorite at home against the Lions on Sunday evening. Do either of those qualify, or is there something else that uh, has grabbed your attention? Looking at the NBA for this one, so the Bucks are a six and a half point home favorite against the absolute red hot Cleveland Cavaliers. They've won eight in a row. Giannis possibly coming back tonight. He's a game time decision, so maybe that's factoring into it. But you've got turnover in Milwaukee. Uh, weird deal with the coach because he dared tell star players to be active on defense and share the ball to open teammates, and they didn't like that and forced him out, so some kind of weird inter-team turmoil and Doc Rivers is going to come and save them? Nah, too many distractions to be a six and a half point favorite against again, the red-hot Cavs and Donovan Mitchell. That line is fishy to me. Doesn't I mean, It makes no sense at all. I love the Cavs in this spot. Okay. What's the number on it again? Six and a half. Hmm. But again, Giannis might be coming back tonight. Got Lillard there. But just when there's stuff going on, when there's distractions, when there's turnover, when there's turmoil, you're going to get a focused, locked-in team tonight? And the Bucks favored by six and a half in, uh, in this one. All right. We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that one as well. I- I'll just play right into the whole thing. And I, I will say it's a little fishy to me. Like I'm, my eyebrows are raised a little. I know it's a rivalry game. I know one team is at home. I'm just telling you guys, Auburn has looked like the best team in the SEC. That does not mean that they will not lose this game tonight in Tuscaloosa. Doesn't mean it at all. Uh, doesn't mean that they won't lose to Ole Miss when they play a rematch here in a week and a half in in Oxford after beating Ole Miss by 20 plus last week. At, at Neville Arena. But this one smells to me just a little bit. Three and a half, Alabama as the favorite. 
really, really thoughtful about laying those points. Now, who knows? Maybe we look up when it's over. And we go, huh, Vegas knew something. (laughs) It's as if sometimes they get it right. Those are your fishy lines of the week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. Visit them online at ptgoutdoors.com for all of your outdoor needs, including Camus boats, whether you're looking for uh, a center console fishing boat or uh, some of the different options that they've got, those Mercury outboard motors as well are just outstanding. Authorized service dealer for Mercury and for Garmin. Fishy Line of the Week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. We get this text. I'm just going to take his word for it. Detroit hasn't won in San Francisco since 1975. So is that a trend or does that mean they're due? That means they're due. And you know what's crazy? How many it, games is that, though? Maybe like six? Yeah, maybe not many, just uh, because. But think about this. You haven't had phenomenons like this in college football. Not really. It's been quite rare. And there hasn't been a playoff to make a deep run in anyway. But the concept of upward mobility in college football, quite rare. I mean, Clemson is a is an outlier, frankly, in the sport. What is good now has been good in the past in college football, with the exception of Clemson. But they do have a national championship in the 80s. You're going to get this now. The phenomenon around the Detroit Lions is going to start happening in college football. Non-traditional programs are going to host playoff games. That's going to happen. This year, that's going to happen. And you're going to have those moments now in college football like you saw with Aiden Hutchinson. Being a Michigan guy, growing up in Michigan, going to Michigan, being a Lions fan, and watching them his entire life stink out loud. And then winning a playoff game in that stadium in Detroit, and just stopping and having a human moment like, I can't believe this is real. That phenomenon is going to happen in college football, and that hasn't happened in college football. Winning bowl games is great. The Boise State-Oklahoma thing, that was great. That was one game, and that was in a neutral site, Arizona Cardinal Stadium. You're going to get that in home stadiums this year. And that's going to create a whole different feeling for fan bases and schools that have never felt what um, Michigan just felt, have never felt what Georgia has felt the last couple of years. It's been so exclusive. Even if the Lions don't win the Super Bowl, this team will be remembered forever. Forever, ever? Forever. Forever, ever? They were the ones that brought the Lions back. Sorry, nailed it. Hey, Shaggy. Hey, it's a, he he got a he made this a cultural guy. reference. It, it it worked. I didn't even get it. I don't know what that is. But we're gonna get that now. I, I've been thinking about that all day today. That the Lions stuff doesn't happen in college football. It doesn't. It will now. Any any reason to think about the uh, twelve team playoff and how fun that's gonna be next year? I'm on board with. We'll take it, yeah. yeah. Seriously, think about what that's going to feel like. Oh, I have. A lot. It's the reason that my logic makes no sense other than I think those home playoff games are going to be outstanding when I say, if you're cheering for Ole Miss, 
I'd rather them lose one in the regular season close and be the number five or the number six seed at 11-1 and one and not play in the SEC championship game but host a college football playoff game. Yep. You played the same number of games druthers, anyway. If I had – you disagree with that, hey, Dad? Yeah, I think I'd like to win the SEC championship. It just called me crazy. I get the I get the fun of the, the first round of the playoffs. I understand how fun that would be, but it'd be a lot more fun to win the SEC title and just go straight to the uh the semis there. Y- you'd the rather be thirteen and zero and just play it on the road and watch those cool atmospheres. Yeah. Yeah. Call call me crazy. Yeah. I will. Hey, by the way, Southern Miss at Coastal Carolina tonight. Southern Miss is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. They're currently at second place in the Sun Belt at 5-2, and two, coming off a big week with a couple of wins. Back with you after this, Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, 24th of January. Reminder, you got basketball tonight, Mississippi State. Tips off at 7.30 on the SEC Network tonight on the road against Florida Ole Miss. Is at home. Their game's on ESPNU at 8 o'clock tonight. That's ESPNU. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Visit their website, mtradepark.com, to find a full list of events that are going on only uh, just a handful of weeks away from the start of the spring tournament season. It's crazy how quickly it's going to get here. Just go to mtradepark.com and hit the schedule link. February 9th, that is the opening weekend for SA baseball. February 9th, full week before the start of the college baseball season. First fast pitch tournament is on February 17th. You have more U-Triple-S-A baseball in February. And then once you get to March, it is every single weekend with either baseball or fast pitch tournaments at M-Trade Park. Visit them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. So the... ACC yesterday made um, a partial football scheduling announcement, and then today we got the entire schedule. But part of that announcement yesterday was that they were going to have specialty games on Thursdays and Fridays. Now, Michael Borky immediately went to Twitter and said that uh, Friday is for high school football, and he won't hear any argument to the contrary. These are the Thursday night games involving ACC teams. Week one, you've got three of them. All of these on August 29th. North Carolina at Minnesota. It's kind of fun. NC State and Western Carolina. 
Wake Forest, and I believe that's North Carolina A&T. That is correct. Those are all week one games. In week eight, Boston College at Virginia Tech. Yes. Virginia Tech on a Thursday night in college football as it should be. I need to see a South Carolina game on a Thursday night also, but um, that's one of the ones that does it really, really well. Week 9, this is October 24th, Thursday night, Syracuse at Pittsburgh. And then week 13, next to last weekend of the regular season, NC State at Georgia Tech. So that's two Thursday night games for NC State this season. And then you've got Friday night games as well. Duke and Elon. Quick, name that mascot. The Phoenix. Nailed it. Stanford and TCU. And I, I, I'm going to be honest. Hey, Dad, I caught myself. I didn't do it. But I sat there and stood. I was like, why do they have a Pac-12, Big 12 game on the ACC <laughs> schedule release? I'm like, oh, wait. Wow. That's Stanford, part of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That's correct. I mean, you're like two drivers and a three-wood from the Pacific Ocean in Palo Alto. You know, it's really, really just one big ocean. There's no there's no cutoff. I mean, it it is a reasonable point that you make. Um, those are both in week one. Week two, SMU. BYU, SMU, part of the ACC, Friday night game. BYU, part of the Big 12. Yes, I'm aware. Yeah, that's a Power 5 matchup there. Mm. Stanford at Syracuse, week four, Friday night game, ACC game. Stanford at Syracuse. Virginia Tech at Miami. All right, now now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Hey, that's an ACC game. That's week. That's five. a Big week, East game. Yeah, week. Oh, jeez. Yes, it is. Week eight. The Metro Conference in the ACC. Florida State is at Duke <laughs> in week eight. Another uh, uh, the 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 Great Midwest Conference and the oh man was Boston College at one point part of the Big East or have they always been ACC? No, they were Big East team at one time, weren't they? I think so. And and didn't they Louisville had to spend been, yeah. a short amount of time as part of the Great Midwest? Yeah, they were all, they were Louisville's in the Metro too. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to broaden it out. Uh, Louisville yeah, at Boston College in Week 9. That's a Friday night game. Also, Cal at Wake Forest. That's an ACC game on a Friday night in Week 11. That's November the 8th. So this is what stands out to me the most about this release here, is that the ACC will have half of its Week 1 schedule done by Friday night. They got, they got a, a Thursday triple header and then two games on Friday. So... Where are the Saturday games week one for the ACC? Man, don't want to get buried into irrelevancy, I suppose. But, yeah, I, I took to Twitter. Now, <laughs> the, the question is, do you want to see the SEC do this? And, and my answer is a hard no. I mean, Thursday night, whatever. 
But but I do think there, there there needs to be some protection of institutions, even if it means you don't make as much money. It, it, because that's why these games are being put on Friday and Thursday night, because it's more television programming and that makes more money. But I, I think that the, the the people of Durham, when Florida State comes to town, shouldn't have to choose between the high school game and the college game. I think that the high school football players in the area, like me when I was growing up, would go to college games on Saturday, whether it was Furman or, or we got we would go down to a Clemson game once a year and a Carolina game once a year. We would bounce up to UNC sometimes. You know, I, I got to do that because they they all played on Saturday. You you shouldn't have to choose, and I just I hate that even if it's just for one game in Durham, in Winston Salem, and Chestnut Hill, in Provo. These these places are going to have to choose between the high school game and, and the college game. And I think that's unfortunate. Friday Night Lights should be for high school football only. We can play college on Saturday like it's meant to. And if you want to slap a game on Thursday, go for it. But disrupting the American institution that is high school football, I think, is a disservice to the, the, the people that play high school football in these towns. I agree, but I agree less than I used to. And here's why. High school football is no longer exclusively played on Friday nights. Majority of high school games are played on Friday nights, but we saw even here in the state of Mississippi last year, there was a lot of high school football that was played on Thursday night throughout the season. Well, wasn't that because of a ref shortage, though? Like It wasn't just because they wanted to do yeah, that. that. That was the reason here, yeah. But there are other places where they play high school football on Thursday nights. Friday nights everywhere, obviously. And a lot of high school football, I mean a lot of high school football across the country, gets played on Saturday. Now, whether that's because of lights or referee shortages or scheduling convenience for families and friends, I don't know. I don't know know what all the reasons are. But the idea that the sanctity of Friday night is disrupted because you choose to play college games at other times... I'm 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 less on board with that than I used to be. Now, the answer to your question: Should the SEC be playing games on Friday night? Absolutely not. No, I am okay with the occasional Thursday night game, especially during Week One. Yeah. After Week One, I don't really want to see the SEC on Thursday night. I mean. If you decided to do it, I guess if it was like a big enough deal and a big enough showcase, this is going to sound like one of the most condescending things I have ever said on this show. Oh, man, I can't wait because you have said some whoppers. Go ahead. The SEC, he had to clear his throat for it. the SEC doesn't need the gimmick of playing college football on Thursday night or Friday night. You want to do it in oh, week that's one? That's not even the top. You want to, you, no, no, no. I mean, the, the condescending part is to other leagues. If you're the ACC, you need to garner eyeballs. You need to gather attention. Yeah, you know what? Play it whenever you want to. If you're the MAC, yes, you're trying to. The SEC doesn't need that. That's not even in the top ten most condescending things you've said on this show. Everybody, that's just a fact, what you just said. Okay. Everybody knows that. 
I mean, I, I feel like it's very much talking down to other conferences. I don't think the Big Ten needed to be playing on Friday night. Nope. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with high school football. It's because it feels like a gimmick. But I guess you go where eyeballs are, if, if that's the thing. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Wrap up the 4 o'clock hour, that is. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. I don't know if I expected for us to get some gin blossoms when we rolled in this afternoon. You big gin blossoms, yeah? I like I like the gin blossoms. Man, it took me straight back to high school. I've been on a '90s yeah. kick lately. I love it. I don't. Uh, I don't yeah. disrespect the dis um, dislike that at all. That's not what I was yeah. uh, trying to say. I got um, some bangers. Hey, look, there were several messages on the ceasefire text line that immediately were like, you mean like the Egg Bowl? That's different because it's a special, that's a holiday. It's a holiday, yeah. And it's a holiday that has football viewing baked into it. It's not a random Thursday night in September. Don't get me wrong, I actually, I really did like when we had good Thursday night games on television. I mean, Thursday night football on ESPN, college football, used to be a big deal. It was a thing. It was a thing. And then the NFL said, no, we want to be on Thursdays, and it was no longer a thing at that point. Yeah, it became, like, they're still games, but they're not games that, you know, you're setting your calendar at. Ole Miss hosted Thursday night regular season games. Mississippi State did. Mm -hmm. South Carolina had a ton. Uh, Virginia Tech was a regular. Um, Yeah. Duke had some really good ones. Virginia had some good ones along the way. Miami uh, had a couple. That they did. So, Back so in the day? when I was saying, you know, talking down, and the SEC doesn't need that as a gimmick. I don't really care. I mean, if you got a bunch of crappy games in week one, I don't really care when you play them. We're just all glad to have football back, and you know, as soon as we get it, great. I'm in. We're all in. But am I up in arms about Western Carolina? playing Auburn on Thursday night to start the year? No, not at all. But I darn sure don't need the Auburn-South Carolina game to be on Thursday night. That's a bad example. I don't need Texas A&M at Auburn on Thursday night. Yeah, no. no. Um, They don't need it on Thursday night either. No. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with change. A lot changes, and I adapt to change. I, I'm cool with it. A lot of people hate change, can't stand it, or are afraid of it. Some things don't need to be changed, though. we we got to protect some pure institutions, and high school football is that. That's what I keep going back to. 
Speaking of high school football, I can't believe we've gotten this deep into the show without mentioning the biggest story in the state today, that St. Aloysius has its new football coach. want to welcome Coach Walker Mosby to Vicksburg. Comes to us from, uh, from Pearl River Community College, where he was the wide receivers coach there a season ago. Former grad assistant here at Mississippi State under Dan Mullen. Looking forward to him restoring the tradition and the greatness of the Flash's football heritage. Yeah, well. Ha! Oh, hey, Dad. This, I thought about texting him, like just getting getting a uh, see if I could get a uh, a quote <laughs> about about him from Dan, but mm. I decided not to. And uh, th- speaking of things that make you ha- uh, happy, hey, Dad, uh, do you yeah. remember this on this day? 14, 14 years ago. But please tell me you got day, Jim Henderson. Please. About right now, because he is the uh, Saints kicking consultant, and he has been the mentor for Garrett Hartley, who is about to attempt to kick the Saints into the first Super Bowl in their 43-year history. And I mean, how ironic was it that this morning in the paper that Garrett Hartley was talking about that the pressure that's on kickers, the number of field goals that have been missed in the postseason. There have been a lot of them. Saints fans don't want to see another. Snap, placement, kicked by Hartley, and it is, it is good! It's good! It's good! <laughs> Pigs have flown! Hell is frozen over! The Saints are on their way to the Super Bowl! I don't know that I've ever heard an announcer with more relief in his voice than I heard right there. Jim Henderson, the relief of just like, oh, thank God. It's just so evident there. Great call from Jim and Hokey. As I said, that was Hokey Gaijan, right? Yeah. Deuce has done such a good job. I mean, that was that was a big role to fill. Feel, feel oh, yeah. In the, uh, in the minds and in the ears. Of uh, of Saints fans because it was Jim Henderson and Hokie Gajon for so long. Um, mm-hmm. Deuce has been phenomenal. He's worked with a couple of different guys now as the uh, the play by play announcers. But uh, that's good stuff. Fourteen years, first time in the forty three year history of the Saints. Um, are we closing in on it being long enough that the next time it happens like that, uh, there will be equal, uh, similar relief? Nah, you're talking about 60-some-odd years, right? Whatever it was, 50 years. 43, like, nah. like he said in his call. Whatever. <laughs> yes, whatever it was. I, I, like I just said as well, repeating what he ah. had said. Ah, whatever. It's all the same. Sports Talk Mississippi. The answer to your question was no. Streaming at supertalk.fm. College football fix, 5 o'clock hour, coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Five 
o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. It's time for the college football fix to start things off here in the 5 o'clock hour. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste joins us, former Ole Miss linebacker, transferred in for this past season after his time at UCF and uh, now getting ready for uh, professional life just ahead. Jeremiah, thanks for a few minutes of your time this afternoon. How are things going now that the season is in the rearview mirror? Honestly, uh, man, things are going well, man. I was very fortunate to you know be a part of the uh, Ole Miss football team and be the first team to make uh, history this year, so I'm very blessed and fortunate for that. Now that that is in the rear view, um, I've actually shifted focus and getting prepared for the NFL draft. And um, I've actually transitioned uh, down to Pensacola, Florida at the Exos facility, and they've been doing everything in their power to get me ready for the next level. You know, it, it's an incredible process that, that you guys go through when you make the transition from playing games week after week to now getting ready to try and be in the best I guess physical and mental shape that you can be in so that you can possibly have an opportunity to play professionally. What's that process been like over the last few weeks? Um, I'd say the process has been uh, challenging, but nothing that's nothing that's been too bearing and hard. But, you know, going into this next step and phase of life, it's all about being a pro, man. So day in and day out is all about having a pro mindset and attacking everything you do with 110%. Jeremiah, we were talking about this earlier. Um, you were at UCF before you came to Ole Miss. I, I called one of your games there in, in Orlando on television and, and thought, wow, really, really nice player, and then get to see you make the transition to Oxford this past season. Everybody's talking about the transfer portal, right? I mean, this this moving from one program to another, and I think a lot of people think, okay, it's easy. You just pick up and you move. There's a lot that goes into making that transition, though. H- how did it work for you? W- was it a hard transition for you to go from the place where you were familiar that you had been for a few years into a new environment? Um, this is gonna this is gonna actually sound pretty crazy. What a lot of people don't know is, um, back in high school, I took my last official visit to Ole Miss, so it wasn't really much new of a new environment because I was familiar with the environment already. So fast forward, when I did hop into Porto and I did receive the offer from uh, Coach Kiffin to come play for Ole Miss, it was pretty much of a no-brainer because I was already familiar with this uh, area, and it was like, why not come play in the SEC? And 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 to speak, to be more specific, to play in the SEC West. Do guys talk about that on other teams? Uh, I mean, and and I mean absolutely no disrespect to to UCF or any other teams that are not part of the SEC. But but when you're playing for a UCF or guys are playing on other teams that are not part of the SEC, are there conversations in the locker room about you know how would we stack up? How would I stack up individually playing in the most difficult league in the country? Uh, listen, man. No knock to my guys at UCF, man. Those guys are. Hell of a player, man. I honestly do feel like if they had the opportunity to come play in the SEC, they would dominate just as I would. And um, you know, there's a lot of ball, good ball players that a lot of group of five schools that I do like that would come to the SEC and dominate. So, um, my hats off to those guys as well. Yeah, Lane Kiffin talked a lot this year about the chemistry on this team. He he continued to say, you know, this is a neat team to coach. This is a fun team to coach because they like each other and there's really good locker room chemistry. 
How does that happen when you have so many guys that have been other places that come in and then become part of a, a, an existing team? Um, back to uh, the last year's transfer portal class, man. You know, a lot of guys came from uh, smaller programs and ended up coming to Ole Miss. So, you know, it wasn't that hard for us to come in because a lot of a lot of us came in with a chip on our shoulders already. So, with those of us. This this bunch of us who had the chip on the shoulders and the team that was there already, we already knew what type of timing it would be for us to compete and go hard against each other every day. And we knew that embracing the brotherhood, taking one step at a time and getting better day by day, we were going to go take the step in the right direction as a program. We're visiting on the Farm Bureau guest line with Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, originally from the state of Florida, started out at UCF, transferred into uh, Ole Miss for his last season, and as he said just a second ago, uh, part of a team that made history with the uh, the 11 win season that was capped off with the the Peach Bowl victory. All right, let, let's go to your pro prospects now. You you said trying to get ready for the draft, you want to put yourself in the best position. Um, have you had conversations with NFL teams? Is it your representation that's having those conversations? What kind of feedback have you gotten, or, or has that happened yet? Yeah, that that has happened yet, but I'm letting my representation handle all that. I'm I'm more so focused on the fact of putting my best foot forward when that time comes for pro day and being able to succeed and uh, excel that day. Will you come back to Oxford for uh, for pro day? Oh yes, sir, I will be. That's going to be a, a really good scene. I mean, you got a bunch of guys that are going to be doing that, trying to kind of showcase their talents for, I've got to believe, a lot of NFL teams that will be there. Yes, sir. I, I do feel like there will be a, a great um, number of I – th- I do think all 32 teams will be there. Yeah. Jeremiah, do this for me. Um, be be a, not a critic of yourself, but give me a little bit of a, a self-scout. So when you think about making the transition to the next level – who you have been as a player, what are your biggest strengths, and what are the areas where you need to continue to improve to give yourself the best chance? Um, my strength, I would say um, I'm instructive. Uh, I'm heavy-handed, and I, and I play with an edge on me, man. Um, and I'm a student of the game. I have a very high football IQ, man. I study the game a lot, man. So being able to study the game a lot gives you advantages and disadvantages. So, you know, being able to pick up on different habits with other uh, different other habits and tendencies that other teams do, I do feel like it gives you a, a, a plus one on what the uh, opponents are going to do, so it allows you to make plays. And then in terms of areas where you want to continue to try to grow or maybe you're focusing some of your work in this, this lead-up to Pro Day, where, where's that? Um, I, I, There's always room to improve in film study, man. Uh, you can never not watch enough film. You, uh, Whenever you watch film, there's always something, a small detail that you may pick up that you didn't see before, so... As, as long as I keep improving in film study, that's one thing I do think I um, will excel in. Jeremiah, what's uh, what's a memory that stands out for you from this season? I mean, you you mentioned the the record setting season being a part of history. Uh, is there a moment in in one particular game, or or maybe a game specifically, that when you think back on this past season, is always going to be the first thing that pops in your mind? Oh man, uh, that's kind of easy. Uh, LSU. What was it about that game and that day? Uh, just, you know, winning the game in the fourth quarter and uh, the fans storming the field after the game. That was that was something electric, and I'll never forget that. Jeremiah, that, that game in particular felt like a really important game during the season. There had been the loss to, to Alabama prior to that. 
And you didn't want to go into a two-game skid, right? It was a team needed positive momentum, needed something to build on. Did, did it feel different that week in the locker room and in practice leading into that game? No. So, um, actually, after we uh, took our first loss, man, it was obviously a hard loss because we did not want to lose a single game this year. So, um, after that loss, we went back to the drawing board. And, um, actually, those those two days within the week, man, we practiced our butts off. We practiced our butts off and, man... It actually it happened to show out. It showed out that weekend that we were just prepared well and did everything that we were supposed to do. Well, it certainly was a heck of a season. I know there are a lot of Ole Miss fans that would love to see you in red and blue one more year, but uh, at the exact same time, wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Jeremiah, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Uh, we do wish you the best. Uh, good luck, and uh, man, go get him as you, you chase that dream of, of playing in the NFL. Yes, sir, man. I thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it so much. Good to visit with you. That's Jeremiah Jean Baptiste joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. That is today's college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. You remember that LSU game, by the way? It's one he brought up. So on LSU's final possession, uh, he was chasing down Daniels and just had to reach for anything, right? And and got a horse collar penalty. Grabbed his horse collar, brought him down, and immediately made up for it. Had a, a pass breakup. What was it? The next play or two plays later? That mm-hmm. had he not been there to break up that pass, probably an LSU touchdown and an Ole Miss loss. So the the instant. Uh, you know, making a mistake and then turning around and making the play that possibly sealed the win was pretty cool. It is interesting to me. I mean, like, zero hesitation. Hey, what's the moment that stands? Oh, it was LSU. That was the game. Right? Anyway, that, that was the game. It was the week after going to Tuscaloosa and losing that heartbreaker and it's the final Saturday in the month of September. And if Ole Miss doesn't win that game, who knows how the season goes from there? I mean, they were going to win a bunch more games the rest of the way. But were they going to be in everything? Were they going to figure out a way to run the table if they had lost that LSU game? They didn't have to figure that out, though, after uh, getting that win and uh, really kind of setting things in motion. Appreciate uh, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste joining us. And uh, wish him all the best as he gets ready for the draft. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you right after this. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. market for a new vehicle. Belt Ford Oxford Toyota is the place to go. It's uh, where I shop for vehicles and have for a really, really long time. Going back to when I was in high school, my very first vehicle came from, my very first new vehicle uh, came from Belt Ford. It was a 1999 black extended cab Ford Ranger. Oh, so pretty. Loved that vehicle. 
and uh, have done business with them ever since. And cannot recommend Belk Ford enough. They've been great to deal with for me. And long, long, long before I was talking about them on the radio, they just treated me the way I could. And sometimes that meant saying no. No, we can't quite do that deal. But more times than not, it meant saying yes to uh, to doing a deal, maybe even a deal that others wouldn't do. Best you can get on a trade-in, they'll take care of you. They're going to work with you for the best financing options available, whether it's through Ford credit or Toyota credit or one of the banks, uh, national or local, that they do business with. And they got a great selection of vehicles right now, whether it's the F-150s or the Ford Broncos that are on the lot, when it's the, whether it's uh, one of the EVs, or uh, if you go up the hill to Oxford Toyota, uh, maybe a 4Runner, or uh, got a couple of Tundras out there. Those Tundras, I am very, very intrigued by them. Beautiful trucks, style trucks. People that get behind the wheel of a Tundra love them. You can test drive one, whether it's an F-150 or a Tundra, Belk Ford or Oxford Toyota. They're on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Stop by, see them in person. They'll take care about uh, of you. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Seeing you in anything other than a Ford truck might be more jarring than seeing you in a Mississippi <laughs> State pullover. Yeah, Um I had one Tundra uh, probably it's over a decade ago, and I liked it. Mm. Um, it was not at all friendly at the gas pump, and no. I think I had leased that, actually. And so it was a short time, and then I went back to, a, uh, went back to an F-150, and I loved them. That's, that's funny you say that, though. Um, great yeah. folks at uh, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. You can uh, join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. So I owe the two of you a thank you. I unexpectedly had to bail yesterday. I don't know if uh, if you guys shared the reason why. Did not. We did not. We, we felt that was for you. Yeah, I, the, the listeners said you had a tea time or um, you you forgot that you were supposed to take the day off, and so then you left? I wish. <laughs> oh, I wish that had been the case. Um, uh. It was none of those things. I got a text from my wife. It was a video. It was four seconds long, and all it was was uh, it was a video of the ground with water gushing out of the ground and basically the ditch in both directions in front of our house down to the neighbors what just like a river flowing i was like uh okay and so i i came as quickly as i could and called the water department and they sent somebody but it was somebody it was an after hours deal they were already shut off for the day so i came in and quickly changed clothes and i i got what i thought the tools were that i needed and hey dad this is one of those water meters that i mean they're all below ground, right? I mean, you get the meter box at ground level, and then it drops down. But this was a bigger one, and it went down farther. It was about an 18-inch, maybe a two-foot drop down to where the actual meter base was. And it was full of water, with water gushing into it, and it was so cold. And so, I mean, I, I know I looked like a moron. I had one of the, the, the T-square bars you use that you like. Because that sank. To, to twist the, the water valve, you know, they're like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Most people, I think, they're I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, so I laid that across Trust the Trust me meter. when I say I know what you're talking about, if you recall. I, I, I have had plenty of that's right. myself. Um, yeah. So 
I kind of laid it across the meter box and used that to stabilize myself. And then the other arm just went down in. And, I mean, I'm just digging around in the mud. I find where the the meter is that you read. And then I kind of tried to track my hand along where I thought the valve to shut it off should be. Kind of dug that out of the mud. Stuck the T-bar down in there and tried to, you know, get it. And it, it, it was as tight as it could be. Finally got it turned. Water goes off immediately. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. We got the water stopped. And I kind of let it settle for a second. Then I started working with a shovel and reached in there. It's like, I, I can't do this right now. So I'm going to have to all be dug out and find out where the leak is. I mean, it's a pipe that burst, you know, as it was yeah. obviously burst during the freeze. And then once it thawed, here comes the uh, the water. What, what when, bothers hey, me I, about this is when I called the guy. When I had the plumbing issue, mm-hmm. I sent you a picture of me totally drenched. Mm-hmm. Like, where was my picture of Richard Cross caked in mud? Uh, maybe my wife wasn't. I would have laughed at that. My wife was not as amused by that as yours was of you completely soaking wet trying to play Mr. Plumber. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's let's be clear on that one more time. That was not my fault. I, I didn't. I, I saved didn't... her from being waterboarded. <laughs> waterboarded. Um, yeah, so we uh, got it. Uh, by the way, the, um, All right. it, so it's the, the sprinkler pipe, whatever. When I called the guy from the water department, he's like, did you not winterize your sprinkler? I was like, no. No. I was like, there's a reason why I didn't, but but the answer ultimately is no, I did not. And he was like, good grief. It's like, anyway, so got to get all of that fixed. Uh, I, like the picture, I like to picture uh, people at the city of Oxford, whenever you call with an issue, they're like, aren't you that idiot that lit his, his, his dumpster on fire? I just want to I just want to hear that from city services in Oxford. Yeah, they probably ask you for a deposit every time you call. Different, uh, different people, different, different groups. It's all the same. It all no, goes, taxes no, all it's go not. the same place. It's, it's, uh, it's all siloed. These are very different issues with different people. Uh, the right hand <laughs> shall never know what the left hand is doing. No, no, no. It is not the same thing. Uh, somebody said that that is a water meter key that I was uh, referring to. Yeah. Very good. T bar seems to make better sense. Um, yeah, but uh, Dwayne wants to know if I had plumber crack going. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe it's a little weird. What yeah. life of uh, being a dad of a four-year-old? So the mm-hmm. other day, James was messing James around and and fell on all fours, and his his pants were he had plumber crack going, and I said, "Buddy," yeah. I said, "Pull your pants up. I can see your booty," and that triggered something in his mind that it's really funny when dad can see my booty. So now we purposefully run around and daddy, Hi. you see my booty? Like, no. Plumbers stop. make good money. So maybe yeah. we've got them on the right track. But what Don't I'm have f- to worry about student loans. Just go get that trade school thing going. Next thing you know, you're charging $40, $50 an hour. The good stuff. What I'm afraid of, though, is he's going to go to school and pull his pants down just a little bit. It, lucky for, for everybody, it's just a little, but he's going to pull his pants down and go, Hey, Miss Trisha, look at my booty. Put that kid in suspenders. 
Wow. <laughs> just we're not wearing belts anymore, buddy. We're wearing <laughs> suspenders. Uh somebody said a <laughs> somebody said you went and bought a new truck. Oh, I actually feel a little bad now. That's terrible, Cross. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, here we go. Bubba and Starville. There you go, hey dad. Built-in sprinkler system. Cross money. So you know what my sprinkler system is? <laughs> it's called the rain. The sky. I, my sprinkler system's running right now as we speak. It's been running all day. It was it was there when we bought the house. Oh yeah. It was. And it's had to have some pretty significant repairs since. So that it could be fully operational. Oh man. <laughs> All right, so the, uh, I was going to just move on. The truth of the matter, the reason that I had not winterized it and blown all the water out of the lines was because oh, yeah. we were trying to get some grass to grow in the front yard and put out some fescue seed, and I was told that it needed to stay damp and wet, and so the sprinklers were running for like five minutes a couple of times a day until like a week and a half ago. That's why I didn't fix it. Shut up, hey, Dad. <laughs> Oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ah, sport, it's a good day when stuff. I get to shut up, hey, Dad. I always enjoy that. The reason I even brought that up is going to say, apparently you guys talked about Will Rogers after I left yesterday. Apparently he's staying in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, we were like, is he going to... We'll hit that when we come back. We were like, is he going to go to class? Like, is, What does he do for the next few months until he picks a place? All Literally that was addressed. Eight hours later. Mm. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Britney Spears is now banned from the Four Seasons Hotel in Los Angeles? I didn't. I didn't know that. Apparently banned from uh, the hotel for going topless at the pool. Ah. Wasn't a European pool? Apparently not. Thought this was America. Need to to go to the Wynn Resort next time, Britney. They got one of those there. Hmm. Las Vegas. Uh, all right, so... And if you give the, uh... Oh, never mind. I, I don't, you know, please. So if, you give, if you give the guy monitoring the pool 20 bucks, he'll let you walk around and have a look. Well, at least he did in, you know, 2015. So you've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. And sometimes more. Yeah. <laughs> so, Will Rogers has decided that he likes the Pacific Northwest. 
grew up in Mississippi, played at Mississippi State, transferred to Washington, entered the transfer portal as soon as Kalen DeBoer announced that he was leaving, but has changed his mind and going to stay and play for Washington and Jed Fish. What do you make of that? I think it's the right decision. I mean, Jed Fish is a good coach, has put together good offenses. Um, my guess is Alabama wasn't a realistic option for him to follow DeBoer down there. Um, and thus, you know, Washington, I mean, Washington's the national runner-up this year. That's, that's a good program. You're playing some uh, some good some some big time games. You'll have eyes on you. Uh, you should still have a pretty decent supporting cast around you. So I mean, Washington's a really good stop, uh, and we'll see how it goes for him. Yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be a competition. He's certainly not going to be just handed the job. Uh, that there is a transfer from Arizona coming in. The four star Demon Williams. Ole Miss fans might remember that name. He was committed to Ole Miss uh, for a little while. He's transferred up to Washington. So that, my guess is they'll battle it out, and we'll see if if Rogers can uh, win the job. Keep in mind the butterfly effect of these things, though. So Nick Saban retires. Kalen DeBoer takes the Alabama job. Jed Fish takes the Washington job. And because Jed Fish took the Washington job, and a very wealthy Arizona booster wanted to get back at Jed Fish for taking said Washington job and podied up a ton of money to keep Arizona's starting quarterback in Arizona opening the door for Will Rogers to stay at Washington and be the starter there next year. Noah Fafita. Noah Sticki- Fafita. Sticking with Tucson. Well, Thanks to, uh, what was the guy's name? Humberto. Humberto Lopez. Humberto. That was it. That was it. Uh, speaking of Washington and the transfer portal, There has been one thing that has rung true over and over and over, or has been said over and over and over, about Ole Miss as it pertains to the transfer portal. Got to go get some offensive linemen. Well, today they did just that. Two offensive linemen from the University of Washington have committed to Ole Miss. That's Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulow. They're both tall. Kalepo's 6'6", 327. Started all 15 games this year for the national runners-up. 14 of them at left guard and one at right guard. And allowed just one snap, uh, one sack in 923 snaps this year. So that's pretty good. And then Bulow, uh, Julius Bulow, is 6'8", 313. Saw action in 12 of their games, missed a couple of games with injury, started uh, eight games for the Huskies, and was a big part of that offensive line, especially down the stretch, as they made the run to the national championship game. And both of those guys, part of the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line at the University of Washington. That is, of course, the award that goes to the best offensive line in the country. Yeah. So that means Ole Miss has added four offensive linemen in the transfer portal, you have these two that we just talked about, Nate Kalepo and uh, Julius Bulow. You also have Jaquan Scott, who was the transfer from Southern Mississippi, and Diego Pounds, the tackle transfer from University of North Carolina. So four offensive linemen ultimately added before you even get to the, the spring transfer portal period. Yeah, and that, it may be a difficult sell in the spring to get somebody that w- would be starter quality, considering what you have returning with Pettis 
and also Williams, but with, with these portal guys in. But there, there was a line of thinking that Ole Miss didn't need to add on the interior of the offensive line that, you know, if they can, great, but they don't need it. I'm sorry, they absolutely needed this. This was a must. They, they had to, to get better on the interior of the offensive line, much better. I mean, unless you're okay with, you know, competing for the Music City Bowl. And I know there are state fans and LSU fans and stuff out there that, that will roll their eyes at this, but Lane Kiffin and that staff thinks that they can compete for a championship with the right pieces. I mean, they're, they're, they're talking national championship. That's what they think that they can compete for. If that is what they wanted to compete for, holding serve on the interior of the offensive line would have ultimately led to the failure of that um, goal. They would have come up short. They had to get better on the interior of the offensive line. And they, thanks to Saban retiring, in effect, they added two starters on the best offensive line in college football from this past year. So those are massive pickups, and they needed those massive pickups. And not only did they need bodies, but they they got those two bodies to fill those spots. Um, That's a win-win-win. In, in multiple different directions. Massive pickups late, thanks to Saban retiring. Yeah, so in terms of the offensive line, um, Jaden Williams is back, right? He he never did enter the transfer portal, did he? Did not. And, and you know, could after the could, spring. Yeah, but. yeah, certainly could still. So you lose Jeremy James. You lose Quincy McGee. Eli Acker returns. Caleb Warren decided he was coming back, right? Did. You still have Reese McIntyre, I think. I think he has eligibility left. Jeremy James is done, right? <clears throat> is that is that correct? No more Jeremy James? I feel like his time was up. Uh, Victor Kern is no, done. No, no, James is returning. That was the the thing that happened the other day. I mean, had a year of eligibility left. The only place he was going to go was uh, to the portal, I suppose. But that, okay. that that yeah. I mean, there was all right. So so on the offensive line, they are returning Jaden Williams, who started at left tackle in the bowl game. Jeremy James, who started at right guard in the bowl game. Caleb Warren, who started at center. Eli Acker as a backup. Reese McIntyre as a backup, I think. And then you add four more in Jaquan Scott and Diego Pounds and then the two from Washington. And and you can bet. That, that's a pretty good group. You can bet your car that at least three of those four are, are, are going to start. Uh, I mean, that, that they needed uh, to upgrade, with all due respect to the you guys that your are returning. Car. I'm not betting my Ford F-150 on whether or not three of those four guys are going to start. It would be a really safe uh, really safe bet, though. Uh, I mean, and, you know, who, who knows what Pettis is going to be like post-injury? You know, a lower leg I, I'm injury. I'm sorry, I didn't mention Micah Pettis and all that because he wasn't on the depth chart for the bowl game. He was right. obviously out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you would assume that, that he's going to assume his position back at right tackle. Pounds would, would be at left tackle. And a combination of these two Washington guys and Scott would be your two guards. Maybe you can move one down to center and you would have an open competition for that one final spot on the offensive line. Yeah. And it may be hard for Ole Miss to keep Jaden Williams after the when the spring Might portal be. opens up as well. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. He was a starter as a true freshman, didn't start for much of this season. 
and then he goes out. I mean, Ole Miss has invested pretty heavily in this deal. <laughs> they are. I mean, because they think that they can, with the right pieces, compete for a national championship. That's what they think. They needed edge rushing. They got Uman Mielin. They needed defensive tackle. They got Nolan. They needed offensive line help. They get these guys. They needed a wide receiver. They get Juice Wells. They needed, I mean, the, the, those spots where they, they, they think that a player or two in each spot can make that roster championship caliber. All right. So, hey, Dad, I think you will appreciate this question. But because I look, I understand that. Okay, talking about what Ole Miss's offensive lineman makeup next year is, if if you're not an Ole Miss fan, is can can get old. Is anything short of the playoff a disappointment for Ole Miss next year? Given what they have done in the portal, what oh, they had this past something year, something just happened. Something just happened. It's not as good as Saban, but Jim Harbaugh has has accepted the head coaching job of the Los Angeles Chargers. It is done. To answer your question, with what they seem to have invested in the transfer portal, yes, anything short of the portal would be a, a playoff would be a disappointment for Ole Miss, I think. Without a doubt. Anything short of the playoff is a disappointment. 100%. Borderline failure. I mean, they're going to be a preseason top 10 or top 5 team. If they don't make the playoff... They clearly underachieved. I think I'm having trouble saying that out loud because that is an altogether different mindset from from what Ole Miss has traditionally been. But I think I agree. You've pushed all of your chips into the middle of the table. Now you have to go do it. We'll be right back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. So Jimmy Harbaugh, Jimmy Khaki Pants, is headed to the NFL. How many uh, how many players does Michigan lose in the transfer portal? Well, as we discussed yesterday a little bit, that the way the school year sets up, it's tougher for them up there. So if they're going to lose a bunch of players, it might be in the spring. Yeah. Because the, the, the way it's open right now. But that being said, they'll lose some. We'll be like Alabama, probably not. But, but it's not about they'll lose some. It's not about whether classes have started at Michigan. I mean they just withdraw there. Yeah, yeah. it's about destinations. And being then can you get in Yeah, can you get in wherever you're going? I mean, class doesn't start at Ole Miss till tomorrow. I can tell you there's uh there's the, and Mississippi State should be on this too. Is there an IHOP in Ann Ar- is there an IHOP in Ann Arbor? Kiffin needs to get on a plane. Oh, get some of those be. guys to meet him. But I mean state hasn't nah, hit, hit their drop dead date, right? No, yeah. they only started class last week. Right. So so there there's a couple of coaching staffs in this state right now that should be working the uh the tampering machine right now. To to try to see if they can gauge any interest from that roster because it's an elite roster. Uh, no doubt about it, but uh, most people seem to think that 
if slash when they promote Sharon Moore, you'll see very little attrition. That it's not going to go down the same way that um, Saban's departure did because guys, a lot of guys on that roster did go there to play for Sharon Moore. Yeah. I mean, he was the head coach for half the season. There is no IHOP in Ann Arbor, believe it or not. The closest one is 20 minutes away in Ypsilanti. Mm. Close enough. Does Michigan take a step yeah. back under Sharon Moore, or does it kind of carry on at the uh, the way they were? I think Harbaugh is an elite coach. Probably takes. It. I mean, they're, they were going to take a step back this year either way, even if Harbaugh had stayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my guess. I mean, they'd still be a playoff contender, but are they going to be eleven and one, twelve and zero kind of team? Probably not. So you don't think they're going nine and three next year? Yeah. Without looking at their schedule, I mean, I, I, do they play Oregon? I mean, they're in the same. So I think conference. they'll lose to Ohio State and Texas. I know. I mean, they lose play Texas and Ohio State. I think they'll lose both of those. If they play Oregon, that's nine and three. Michigan's schedule. Ooh, this one is spicy. So Fresno State at home, Texas at oh, home, man. Arkansas awesome. State at home. The man. the conference opponent Southern Cal at home. Minnesota at home. They open the season with five straight home games. Then they go to Washington. Okay. Win. Have an off week. Go to Illinois. Host Michigan State. Host Oregon. Lost. Go to Indiana. Off week. Host Northwestern. Go to Ohio State. I would say nine and three, and USC is a toss up. So possibly eight and four if that goes the wrong way for them. Man, this is so different than this past year. You think? I don't think nine and three yeah. gets Michigan into the playoff either. It would be tight, especially when you the... look at it in terms of their those three losses would be to the three best. I mean, I would imagine Texas, Oregon, Ohio State are all top ten teams next year. So those are your only three top ten teams you played in your zero and three against them. That's going to be a problem. And you just gave Michigan a win at Husky Stadium. Like, not even a doubt. They've lost all but one starter. Yeah, it, 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 with Will Rogers quarterbacking, yeah, I feel pretty good that Michigan was going to win that game. <laughs> They've lost 21 starters. No offense, but... 21! Yeah, I mean, Washington is <laughs> hey, not taken. Trump. Not taken. Yeah. Imagine losing 21 starters. Think about that. And a bunch of backups, too. Yeah. That is uh, that's tough. No question. Uh, big night of basketball coming up. Mississippi State about an hour and a half from tip-off in Gainesville, taking on the Florida Gators tonight at Exact Tech Arena. And uh, tonight in Oxford at the SJB Pavilion, it's Ole Miss and Arkansas. 8 o'clock tip for the ball game. ESPNU is your television option. And uh, so you hope you, uh, you enjoy that. you got one game that's already tipped off too, right? It was the, the early start, the 5.30 start for, where is it? Borky had it all laid out for me, and I can't even find it now. Oh, well. Doesn't right. matter. Big games for our teams tonight. LSU, Georgia. LSU, Georgia. Tigers are up early. Good to know. And then also the uh, Iron Bowl of basketball, right, Cole Kublik? Auburn and Alabama getting after it tonight at uh, Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa. Thanks for being with us. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.